Well, here's a conundrum. You score your dream job, but then everyone says you've got to change who you are. Does changing your habits, changing your social life, does that come with a job change? Is it part of the deal? Do you have to change yourself when you change jobs? We'll tackle that question and more with certified financial planner Eric Roberge on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you from Detroit, Michigan, in my mom's half-finished basement, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Eric Roberge, coming to you live from Boston, Massachusetts. This is the show where we open the news and dive in with financial thought leaders like Eric uh, from all walks of life. Today, we're tackling a piece coming to us from CNBC.com. We're going to focus on that. We'll not only read a little bit of it to you, like some podcasts, but we'll also talk about why it's important to you and your wallet. Thanks to Round for supporting Money with Friends. Round is a digital consultant that gets members direct access to premium investments. With Round, your money's actively invested with Wall Street's top fund managers. Open a Round account today to access Forbes' number one rated app for high-end investment management. Head to investround.com forward slash MWF for more. And today, we didn't scare him away yesterday. Heck, we haven't scared him away yet this season, which is a good sign because he carries the show. Eric Roberts is here. How are you, man? And we lost your mic. I don't. I don't know why. How we lost your mic? Welcome to uh, live, live work on uh, Money with Friends. You know, we'll get Eric back here and his his uh, microphone in just a second. But while we get Eric back, let's see which one of our friends is going to kick off today's show. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. The Money Talking Party Show starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. And I think we got Eric back. Eric, we got you. Here I am, coming back. Awesome. Well, P Life tried to kick you out, but we're we're better than that. So we we, we got, and I can't do this by myself. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about Beyond Finances, your amazing podcast, because it's a lot different than most financial podcasts you'll listen to out there. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that stands out is personal. It's very personal in that it's my wife and I talking about our money thoughts and habits and what we do and how that can help you see what you need to do in in, in your life to really take advantage of your finances. Use it as a tool, not as something to be afraid of. And a tool means you can use it now and you can use it later. And that's the entire thing, that balance that comes with understanding that we all want to live today and still plan responsibly for tomorrow. Do you guys have the money fight with the microphone running? Because that would be fun radio. You know what? I've thought of that too. I'm like, we should let that go. Because <laughs> we do come up with those things and like, oh, we got to cut that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, OG and I and Stacky Benjamins don't have the money fight, but we do have sections where we're entertaining ourselves. We're like, okay, cut that, Steve. There's all this <laughs> stuff that the world will never hear. So that's fun. Uh, and, and by the way, Beyond Finances, you can listen to wherever you're listening to us right now. Yes, anywhere uh, you want. Uh, let's let's dive into this piece. This is written uh, by, uh, let me get to the top of it, written by Jade Scipioni at CNBC Make It. And the piece is entitled, Goldman Sachs CEO takes the subway, gets his own coffee, and has a side hustle as a DJ. <laughs> Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon isn't your average C-suite executive. Yes, 
He made $23 million last year, but since taking the helm at the investment bank from Lloyd Blankfein in October 2018, he's been eschewing Wall Street's stuffy ways. 57-year-old Solomon, for instance, is known as DJ Soul on weekends when he performs his side gig at a classic as a classic rock DJ, nightclubs in New York City, Miami, and the Bahamas, think Guns N' Roses and the White Stripes. Solomon also rides the New York City subway to work, prefers to fetch his own coffee at the office. I mean, why wouldn't you take the subway? Solomon told Fortune recently. No, seriously, it's quicker, more efficient. You know, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, can take the subway. Why can't the CEO of Goldman Sachs? In reality, while de Blasio sometimes rides the subway as a promotional event, he typically takes a private car to work and infamously to the gym because of his hectic schedule, he says. According to Fortune, certain Goldman Sachs board members aren't happy with the idea of Solomon on the subway, but that doesn't bother him. Neither does the fact that his DJ persona has become fodder for the media, or at least, at least not anymore. Solomon was first outed as DJ Soul by the New York Times in 2017 when he was a co-president at Goldman Sachs in the midst of his campaign to be named CEO. Solomon said some of his associates urged him to hang up his headphones if he got the job, and he himself felt anxious that the public wouldn't take him seriously. I thought for a minute, well, can I do this? Can I not do this? Solomon told Fortune, but with the support from Blankfein, he decided to stick with it. You know what? It's who I am, and nobody would tell me not to play golf, Solomon said. And why shouldn't I? Because I'm a CEO. Solomon gives all his earnings as a DJ to charity. Now, as the, gold, as the head of Goldman, Solomon wants to ensure he's more admired and respected than envied and feared, getting his own coffee and showing up unannounced at office meetings throughout the day and small ways he does, or small ways he does that. He also allows colleagues or guests who are, have an appointment to bypass his receptionist and knock on his door directly. What's more, Solomon made news in March when he relaxed the company's dress policy, making suits and ties optional. And in a place like Goldman Sachs, suit and tie optional, Eric, is a big, big, big deal. They are serious about being serious over there. So that is huge. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is this is a conundrum. I mean, I think that the head of Goldman Sachs as a DJ, I mean, there's part of me when I first read this, I was like, really? A, a, a DJ? And I was a guy who, by the way, in high school and college, I was a DJ. I was play, playing parties, playing at a couple different clubs. I was doing that type of stuff. And when I became a financial planner and just a little financial planner in Lansing, Michigan, right? Starting my career at a young age, I quit being a DJ because of the fact that I didn't think people would take me seriously as a financial planner if I was if I was a DJ. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? I, I love, firstly, I love it because I think that shows authenticity. And when you have authenticity in somebody, you can actually believe them and trust them more than you otherwise could. So that makes him human. And, and I love that. So, you know, I hope he continues to do it. But, but could somebody starting their career follow that advice? He was already a known entity. He already had a, uh, had a reputation. Obviously, he was a leader in going for the job. Um, but if you're 25 and you're working at Goldman, can you be a DJ on the side? I don't know. I mean, that, that's a really tough one because part of me reminds or remembers myself when I started my business and I was a... Uh, a waiter on the side. 
But I wasn't a waiter because I loved it. It was a waiter because I needed the money right. to make ends meet while yeah. I built the business. And that was an embarrassment for me because I didn't want people to think, well, he can't sustain himself with his business, so he's got to do this thing on the side. So as long as people are, are clear that you're doing this because you love it, because it's a passion of yours, and not because you're trying to survive and, and your job doesn't, doesn't sustain you, um, I think there's a better chance that it could be okay. When you're at Goldman Sachs, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a similar thing, by the way. I uh, I had a client that was a travel agent, and I actually had some discussions early in my career about working with them on the side. Just literally from my office, when people would bring up travel stuff, that I could sell it myself, right? And so, so I was, and then I brought th- I brought that to uh, to my uh, OSJ. I'm trying not to get into jargon, but brought it to my officer of supervisor jurisdiction, the dude kind of in charge of our area. I'm like, hey, I got this idea, and he actually said, he goes, you know what? That sounds cool. Sounds like a good opportunity. But do you want your clients thinking that you're struggling? which I was struggling, but he's like, it's all about perception. Do you want your clients to think you're struggling and now you need the second job as a travel agent? Like, like at that point, it's all about, so, so you're right. Clearly in, in Solomon's case, he's not hurting for cash. And I'm sure everybody, everybody's got to know that. (laughs) So everybody thinks he's not hurting for who's like, Oh, he's got this side gig in the Bahamas probably to make a few extra bucks. Is there a difference, by the way, he talks about nobody would tell him not to play golf. I found that interesting. Well, I mean, playing golf is a hobby. He's not getting paid for that. Um, he's, it's, it's more commonplace and accepted in the business world to play golf because you do it for business purposes. You do it because you have the money to afford it. Uh, the DJ thing is a completely different animal, so I don't think you can compare the two. Let's talk about this, though. When it comes to golf, I mean, that's kind of a trapping, though, I think. Hey, I'm a CEO of a company. I play golf. You know, every president that that, that, that I know of uh, uh, has played golf. I don't, I don't recall Bill Clinton playing a lot of golf, but certainly W and President Obama and President Trump all spent, spent time on the golf course. Golf is kind of this thing that comes with the C-suite. It's a it's it's a trapping, right? I feel like when I was a financial planner, uh, I don't know if you see this w- with um, with other financial planners, but I always felt a little bit of that looking the part, uh, driving an expensive car, so your clients knew that you that you quote made it right. Those were things that I found kind kind of weird there. While I'm helping somebody with their budget afford the little things. I've got friends that are worried about wearing an expensive watch so that they can show it to their client to show them that I'm pretty damn wealthy. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't like that at all. I mean, for a number of reasons. One, I see doctor clients trying to keep up with the Joneses and, and overspending because they got to buy the biggest house, they got to buy the biggest car, the most expensive car, and they end up not saving a, a dime because they're trying to look the part. But trying to look the part and not being able to save and having your entire financial life in shambles is stressful. And why would you want to look the part and just be stressful? Yeah. I don't even like it. It's it's funny you say that because it reminds me of early in my career, and I've talked about openly about how I struggled with debt and didn't understand money at all. Uh, I just hired one of my first coaches and I wanted to move from a rental house that was $800 a month to another one that was $1,200 a month because it was way better. It, it was, it was, it was, it, it, it just looked better. 
And she actually said, she's like, do you, do you, do you like renting a house? She goes, because you've talked for a while about you, one of your goals is to own a house in this neighborhood where, you know, you want your family to grow up. We weren't going to move. Uh, so for us, the value of owning a house that we'd be in long-term was a good deal. And she said, do you want to, do, do, you've talked about owning a house. Why would you do that? And I went through all these things. Well, it's got a bigger yard. It's got a bigger whatever. And she goes, so you're in a place you don't want to be. Do you really want to do all this window dressing around a place you don't want to be? Or do you want to just play for the real stuff? And I found that to be be very powerful. And so many people I worked with, Eric, to your point, playing for the window dressing, right? Making the window dressing look great when you and I see things that a lot of people don't get to see. I mean, I saw several hundred people's financial situation from the inside. A lot of people that are pretending they're really wealthy don't have any money, like have no money. That's yes, it is is certainly the case a lot, and and that's the thing because people in 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 life you'll go out into the world and you'll see these people who look wealthy, and not to say that people that look wealthy aren't wealthy because there's plenty of them that are, sure. yeah. But there's many of them that are just spending like they're wealthy, and they're not. It's hard to see somebody driving a Ferrari if you're a car person. And not think, well, I should drive a Ferrari too. But 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 to your point, you don't know what's going on but behind the scenes, Eric. Like you've got no idea if a Ferrari for them is one one hundredth of the money that they have, which means a Ferrari's fine. I mean, if they're a car person spending one one hundredth of your money on a Ferrari, fantastic. But but you'll see too many people that that spend half their money on a Ferrari and you might as well get a suit, you know, get a uh, sleeping bag and live in it at that point. Yeah. And that, that, that's, I, I always talk about this, but it's the difference between two questions. One of them is, can I afford it? And a lot of times you'll ask, can I afford it? Sure. You probably can't afford it. But the better question is, do I want to afford it? What's is that something that is really important to me or not? Well, and that brings up a huge thing that I think a lot of people don't realize about certified financial planners. When, when you meet with people, you're meeting them for the first time. They come in to meet with you Generally speaking, I had no idea where the conversation was going to go, but I usually had a first question I asked. What's the usual first question you ask somebody when they come meet with you? Well, typically it's, it's, what is it? Why did you come to talk to me? Like, what is it that you want to achieve? Which is, which is funny because it's not like what window dressing are you looking for? Like, who, who, who are you trying to impress? It's like this, this, I, I, I mean, for you and I, I think there's a lot more gravitas, gravitas, that's the right word. There's a lot more, it's a heavier question than, than people think it is. Yeah. Cause it's not like, Oh, what, what do you want to buy? I mean, do you want to just get a lot of money? You come to a financial advisor, you must want to just have a pile of money. No. Who wants that? Having a pile of money means nothing unless you have a real reason to use that money on things that you desire in life. That's what is, uh, that's what's interesting. What do you find then? I mean, do, do you find that most people struggle with that question? Do they, or is the question, um, uh, is their answer to it different than you think it maybe should be? Sometimes. I mean, if, if they come to me and, and they say, well, I, I want a boat and a car and a house, then we're really restricted on the planning we can do. 
and it's not really going to get at their their heartstrings. It's not going to get at their values. But if I say, well, how do you want your life to look in five years? That is a different question. It's a very open-ended one. And that allows them to maybe even say things that they didn't even know they wanted in a discussion that isn't about the numbers. I love it when people have that breakthrough. And you'll see that in a meeting when somebody halfway th- through a meeting had a breakthrough. I, I, I couldn't help but feeling that there were some couples that were going to go home and have really good sex because we had this meeting. <laughs> like it was, it was this huge, awkward thing where I'm like, oh, these people are actually connecting, right? They're actually having this connection that, that I was able to bring about. I felt like Barry White sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're you're just talking about the new headline we want on my website is, do you want to have better sex? (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't be awkward. Kelly nixed that, by the way. Oh, that's a bummer. Bummer. Yes. She she missed, she missed the big thing. Well, just a second, we will talk, Eric and I will talk about what our big takeaway is from this piece about CEO David Solomon at Goldman Sachs. But first, uh, while Eric gets his thoughts together, I want to talk a little bit about round because If you look at how you're managing your money right now at the start of the year, it might be like a lot of people's portfolios. Lots of people think about doing the right thing, but their actual portfolio could use some work. And that's where Round comes in. Round's a digital investment consultant that gets members direct access to premium investments. With Round, your money's actively invested with Wall Street's top fund managers. In fact, over at Stacking Benjamins, we just interviewed uh, on... uh, uh, today's podcast, actually, we interviewed Saul Cohen from Round. So go over there and listen uh, to actually what Saul does and how they get it done. But with Round, your money's actively invested with Wall Street's top managers. And that means that they can strategically reallocate your money during market volatility. They also get your money exposure to alternative asset classes, the ones that you've been meaning to invest in but haven't had time to research. Uh, here's something that might surprise you about Round, different than a lot of places. Round waives their fee if your returns turn up negative in a given month, and that's how sure they are of what they do. Open a Round account today to access Forbes' number one rated app for high-end investment management. Head to investround.com forward slash MWF for details. And to get started, that's investround.com forward slash MWF. All right, Eric, it's the moment of truth. What's our takeaway from today's piece? The way that I see it, it's important to be authentic and do the things that you really love to do and you're passionate about. I think at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because you do have to be responsible about your image, especially if you are someone that is out in the public eye, because you have to say, does this thing that I'm doing over here on the left side impact me in my main job and how so and i am am i okay with that impact or not and if you could say yep i'm i'm good and it's going to be fine and i really love to do it then you should move forward but if there's any hesitation you should probably think about it a little bit more talk to other people about it to make sure that you're gonna uh, make the right move here No, I totally agree. What came to mind for me was the difference between two things we talked about today, window dressing and framing the issue. And and I think what you're talking about is really framing the issue. How does it impact things? And one of my favorite books about strategy is uh, Sun Tzu's The Art of War, uh, the ancient Chinese text about war. And one of my favorite quotes from that book is the best battle is the one that's never fought. And if you think about 
strategy and you think about framing ahead of time, clearly the CEO of Goldman Sachs here has framed it correctly. All the money goes to charity. He's he's looking for a more re- relaxed culture. It fits his overall persona of who he is. And these two things kind of inform each other. And also the fact that he's pushing back against just playing golf and being the average CEO, it, it makes... I don't know. I think it kind of actually makes Goldman Sachs look like a better company because the leader's doing something that the average CEO of a Wall Street firm wouldn't be expected to do. Yeah, hundred percent with that. I don't even know this guy, and I already feel like I want to like him. I know, because is, that of what he's doing. is that funny? Yeah, me too. The second I read this, I'm like, that is a cool dude. Which who knows yeah. if he's cool? Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, Could Eric, be a terrible DJ. <laughs> tell tell both of our listeners. What's coming up on Beyond Finances? Well, what's coming up in Beyond Finances, we are hitting the ground running with the new year and we actually have it up already. It's it's a conversation about balance. And balance in life, balance in finances is so important because you don't want to burn out on either end. You don't want to burn out saving. You don't want to burn out spending. You want to have both. You want to have the best of both worlds. So Kelly and I jump right into this idea of balance and how you can actually make it work in your own life. It's a great discussion. And whenever I go out on a run and Eric and Kaylee are in my ears on my run, I always feel like I'm sitting there at the table with them as we're having this deeper, but still very fun. I don't know. Is it possibly light and deep at the same time? Because that's kind of where we're, where we're at, I feel. I think so. Because yeah. people always say, it's like, you guys sound so comfortable talking about this stuff. Yes. Because we do it behind the scenes. I would say it's weird. It's like you're married or something. I don't know. something like that all right that's gonna do it today for eric and i hey thanks a ton for everybody who hung out with us uh today on youtube we did this for the first time on youtube thanks to eric for by the way being our guinea pig as we go to youtube check out our youtube channel go to youtube uh slash money with friends and you'll find us there when we begin more in 2020 doing uh youtube based uh, stuff uh you'll find beyond finances Eric's uh, 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 Beyond Your Hammock website and everything about Eric's practice at our show notes page at moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Did I get all that right? Perfect. <laughs> Finally. Uh, on behalf of Eric Roberts, I'm Joe Saul Cihai. We'll see you guys next time back here at Money With Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.